from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, this is Overtime, talking all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything between on this podcast, alongside Juan Kincaid and John Benny producing. I'm Chris Hagan. Today we are talking Pelicans and the wrap-up to the bubble that really wasn't like anyone thought it was <laughs> first. A quick, re- re- quick request and reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, rate and review it. Tell your friends to help us spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the Final Play app, Tiger Huddle app, Saints Training Camp. We'll get to get inside of practice in the next couple of days. Um, we have to see what's going to happen with college football. But we want your questions and concerns on all of those for topics for future podcasts. But for now, we are talking Pelicans. Juan, they go out basically, as you would expect, with a loss. Um, it, it was a very disappointing bubble run. Pelicans finished two and six. Their only wins coming against uh, the Grizzlies and the Wizards. Um, and it, it was just a disappointing run, especially when you consider the stakes and how locked in it appeared this team was going to be heading to Orlando. They played great in um, the scrimmage games. They were awesome. And then it went downhill. And then it went downhill, and they left us all thinking, oh, man, if this is what's going to happen in a, in a scrimmage game, they're going to make the, make the final eight or the final nine pretty easily. But then we forgot to remember that scrimmage games are exactly what they are. They're, uh, they're exaggerated exhibitions, basically practice games against another team. Um, and and what's, what's most disappointing, Chris, is that when, when this whole bubble thing started, everyone was talking about, oh, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule. The NBA must want Zion Williamson playing against the Lakers. What a great TV spectacle that would be. What a ratings killer that would be. Somebody forgot to tell the Pelicans that you still have to play the games. And that's the biggest part. Um, I, I, just, I just think it's a disappointing eight games. Um, you lose to Sacramento twice, uh, and neither, neither game is close. But your problems are consistently the same. They're consistent. You know, no defense. Turnovers are killing you. And just looking, having a lack of um, motivation or, um, you know, didn't like they even wanted to be there half the time. And, um, and that was from some of your best players. So th- the question then is, is it the players? Is it the coach? Some would say it's probably a little bit of both. But I think there's a problem there when you've got, so much out in front of you and it's all there for the taking your team can't get up enough to do all the right things in a basketball game and you can't play up to the moment and I think that's where this franchise is right now we, we like to talk that they could be a big time team and compete with the big boys but they still haven't done it and when the games are on the line it's an important game they don't play up to the necessary expectation and it's not just disappointing that they lost six games and yeah. that you know their bubble run I mean technically they were mathematically in it up until you know, the third to last game, but um, the way they took those first couple of losses and lost three of their first four, I mean, they were essentially done after that first Kings loss. Um, And then they just laid a big, they were technically had a sliver of a chance against the Spurs and laid another egg. Um, It's it's disappointing how they lost a lot of those games. Um, Even the first game, Utah, that was a close one. They really played so well during that game. Yeah, You wouldn't say it's crazy to imagine that if they finish better in that game and they win that first game against Utah, maybe this is a different bubble scenario. Yeah. Um, but they they had they controlled that game, lost it in the fourth, um, was never close against the Clippers. I know they played well against the Grizzlies. Everyone played well against the Grizzlies in this yeah. bubble. The Pelicans played well against the Grizzlies all year. Yeah. Um, it's a situation where the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Blazers were the teams that the Pelicans got up for. Um, they swept – 
the the Grizzlies and the Blazers in this in the regular season. They lost all their games to the Lakers, but they played best uh, some of their best games against the Lakers um, because of a motivation factor of the former Laker players because of um, Drew Holiday's motivation going up against the former teammate Anthony Davis, and that's the the thing that bothers me is that they they were so capable of playing really well and they didn't. And so the fact that they lost these games in the fashion they did, not learning from their mistakes, not playing defense, and then, you know, seeing Alvin Gentry come to the media after the game and just be so lax oh. effort and saying that the effort was there and saying that they've just got to do this better and they've got to do that better, but they never did any of that better. They weren't physical. They had no physical presence on defense. They didn't look like they wanted to be there on defense. This is a team that knows they play great, good enough offense to um, to win games and to be in games, but um, just didn't give that same commitment on defense. And the way that they lost those games because of it is what makes everything about that bubble so disappointing. Alvin Gentry's comments after those losses and those bad losses just puzzle me. It makes me wonder what game was he watching? I mean, they lacked effort in all of those losses. They lacked just good good basketball common sense in all those losses, making just really bad turnovers. And maybe he doesn't associate bad turnovers with effort. Well, we're really trying to make those good passes, trying hard to make those right passes, but we're just not. Well, you're not because you're not being smart with the basketball. Um, the turnovers and are, are probably the most disappointing thing to me. But along with that is this team's inability to play defense and to make defensive adjustments when your defensive coach is not there. That tells me that no one else on that coaching staff was paying a lick of attention to Jeff Bisdelic when he was out there doing the job and making those guys play better defense and getting them in the right sets defensively, making adjustments. No one was paying attention to him, I guess, because he can't coach from home. He decides to stay back for obvious reasons, the COVID-19 situation. So when they get in defensive problems, they can't make an adjustment. Alvin Gentry is an offensive-minded coach. That's what he wants to do. He wants to outscore their team. The Pelicans are the Brazil of basketball. <laughs> they want to yeah, they outscore the opponent and say, we got more points. You got 135. We got 137. We won the game. It's all that really matters. At the end of the day, winning is all that matters. But how you go about getting those wins is important, you know, when the playoffs come around and the Pelicans were there, I don't think they win a game because you have to play defense in the playoffs. The games get tighter. The ref lets a lot more go. You've got to be able to man up to a guy and play defense, and they're not there yet. Um, but, again, it's, it's Alvin Gentry that's part of the problem, big part of the problem, but your players have to be able to buy in to what you're trying to sell. And they're all on board with playing offense and getting up and down the court and doubling the number of shots that the other team gets where they're not on board is doing what it takes defensively. And it's like one of the players said, you have to want to play defense. You can't just talk about it. You gotta, that's, that's all about effort and heart and will. And the majority of these players just don't have that in them. At least, at least it didn't show in the, in the bubble. And it's about wanting to play defense as a cohesive unit. Um, that, we'll get to Alvin Gentry in a moment, but it's yeah. the players too. The Pelicans – one of the things that we talked about, especially at the beginning of the year, was their ability to potentially play good defense because Drew can be a really good all is is a really great on ball defender because Lonzo is a pretty good on ball defender. Um, same can be said for Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram at least gives you some length there to maybe affect shots. Um, Derek Favors has a defensive reputation, but there was not 
the cohesiveness and playing together. And so you look at other teams and take J.J. Redick, for example. Um, I think he's a guy that understands playing defense cohesively and as a unit and where everybody needs to be. You don't have to be the best on-ball defender or have the best athleticism or the length to affect shots, to take charges, to be in the right place, to not give the other team open looks. Um, J.J. Redick understands as much as anybody how teams play three-point shooters, how to affect three-point shooters because of team, how teams try to play him. And it wasn't a coincidence that the Clippers and the Kings and the, the, the Spurs had these out, outstanding shooting nights against the Pelicans because they weren't physical enough and getting into shots. So I think if Drew locks down a player for a possession, that's great. If uh, Josh Hart locks down a player for a possession, pulls out a great defensive rebound, that's great. But if you're not doing a possession in a possession out, and, and if you're not as good as the weak link, which at times was Zion, which at times was Lonzo losing track of his man, which at times was a number of issues, when you lose track and you're that weak link, you're going to give up open threes. We saw uh, the, the Jazz in that first game get to the rim at will. We saw the Clippers and Kings get all kinds of open threes all game long without any adjustment. They didn't play as a unit, and they don't have that vocal leader to – pull them together on that side of the floor. I know Drew leads by example, and Jesus, that's going to be another storyline, I'm sure, um, when we get ready to start the season again. How much of a leader is Drew Holiday? How much does he lead by example? He's a great lead by example, a great character, but vocally, I don't know if it's there. Um, I don't know if it's there vocally from Brandon Ingram. I don't know if it's there vocally from Lonzo Ball. And it's the players and their makeup that's going to have to change as much as it is, I think, the coaching staff if you want a different result on the floor unless you bring in a really tough, rigid coach to be on them and get after them defensively. And that's not Gentry style. He's a player's coach. He's going to be the fun guy and let them have all the fun on the floor, but they haven't locked down on defense and that's why they're not winning. They haven't won. They won't win with Alvin Gentry. They won't. You know, it's funny. I, was, I saw a tweet from Josh, uh, Josh Hart yesterday. He said, if we bring back this team as it is, we'll be a top five, six team in the NBA. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. team are you looking at? Uh, but then he said, you know, of course, free agency will get in the way of that. A perfect stat from last night that basically summarizes this entire eight-game bubble. Sacramento shot 53, 54% from the three-point line. At one point in the first half, they were 13 of 18. Now, that's a lot of three-pointers. But the majority of those threes were wide-open looks. It was kind of a, a drive and kick every time. The team's defensive discipline is, is terrible. And you're right. You don't have to be the best defender to play good defense as a team. You just have to be able to communicate. And this is – and I've heard players say it. I, I think J.J. Redick, I wonder, I think it was J.J. Redick who said it, this is one of the quietest teams he's ever been on because the guys just do not communicate. But we've seen this in the past, this basketball team. For some reason, they, they, just, they just don't help each other out on defense. And I'm sure they want to and they mean to. They're just not in the habit of doing that. I, I just think this team has a lot of issues going forward here. And, Chris, I'm a believer that, again, how they lost these games – is a, is a bigger deal to me than the fact that they lost them. You're going to lose. That, that just happens. But the way you go about losing the game is a bigger deal for me. And I think them going two and six and having embarrassing defeats. The Clippers game was an embarrassment. Losing both times to the Kings, especially the first time, the Kings just shot them off the court, was an embarrassment. Those kind of losses are as big of an eye-opener as anything, and it's, it would be a big signal to the front office that says, you know what, 
something really is not right here. It, it's not just one game here, one game there. There's a, there's a problem with this basketball team and how they play. And that's one reason why I think that a change has to come in the front office with the head coach because I think that his message is not getting across anymore. And I don't believe the players believe that his style of play is going to win basketball games consistently enough to make the playoffs by playing all offense and not having any defensive, uh, defensive, um, I guess, uh, uh, struggling on defense. Yeah, prowess. Yeah, that would be a good word. That was lost for word. Yeah, defensive prowess. And you're not going to get it from this head coach. So to me, it's time to to make a change in that area and move forward. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I wanted to before we get to Gentry, I, I wanted to hit on what you said the the quiet factor. And look, I know there's only so much you can take from interviews and press conferences, but um, you can tell who's assertive at the mic and who would be the assertive voice on the team and then who's really quiet, soft-spoken, yeah. and you see that come across on the floor. I'm not saying they're game. I think a lot of these yeah. guys play aggressive offensive. Some of them play aggressive defensive games individually, um, but the communication isn't always there. And um, I would say especially for J.J. Redick, that has to be frustrating coming from yeah. playoff teams and seeing what it takes to make the playoffs and trying to give this team the effort and the push to get there and it just coming up short. Um, his, yeah. his effort in the bubble was remarkable. But, yeah, as for Gentry, I, I, I'm of the belief he's, he's got to go. That, that's got to yeah. be the change. I mean, he's shown you who he is time and time again. He wins. He's a, he's a sub-500 um, winning percentage coach, and that's what it is. And, um, I mean, from a business standpoint, I don't care if you got Zion on the floor. I don't care if you bring back Brandon Ingram. I don't care if you got Lonzo Ball throwing – 75-foot alley-oop seven times a game, it's not going to do you any good if you're losing. And if I'm a fan, you're hard-pressed to sell me on this team making this leap that we think they can make yeah. um, with Alvin Gentry as the head coach and doing, you know, what we've seen um, from this team time and time again. And, you know, how many times you listen to Drew Holiday talk at the end of a year, love him for being positive, but how many times do you have to hit sit here and see Drew – get into the back end of his career and say, the future's bright. We've got young players. we got a young core. We, and, and they do, but I just don't know if it comes together well enough at this point. And I think how many times are you going to let, you know, Gentry waste um, talent and opportunity? Um, because the, the, the Pelicans aren't the only team that's going through what they're going through with roster change, with turnover, um, you know, Monty Williams has a bunch of young kids in Phoenix, went 8-0 in the bubble, uh, a bunch of guys who hadn't necessarily played together that much, but they came together. Um, he brought that team together. There's a number of coaches. There's a number of teams. Look at uh, the job Billy Donovan did in Oklahoma City. Um, he trades away the face of the franchise, and or they trade away the face of the franchise in Russell Westbrook, um, get back Chris Paul. Chris Paul has Pelicans-level talent, if not less, to work with. And the Thunder played great most of the season because I think he's that um, vocal leader on the floor. He's that leader in the locker room. And Billy Donovan, I think, is a, is a quality leading coach that's done it at you know, multiple levels <coughs> of playoff teams. And so I think there had to be a change with some sort of the makeup of this team, which becomes really difficult when you talk about potential salary cap limitations, the fact that um, there may not be a whole lot of free agent movement just because of the COVID-19 situation and whatnot. Um, and tighter cap numbers, whatever it may be. But there's got to be some kind of change. I think the most obvious, though, is Alvin Gentry. Um, and, you know, great character. This team and this, this 
culture is full of great characters, but coaching wise, it's got to change. Uh, let's stop acting like Alvin Gentry is the only guy who can coach a team to have pace and play fast. He, there are others that can do that, and there are others that can emphasize defense. There are others that can get a team up for more than just a couple of teams every season. Alvin Gentry, career below 500 head basketball coach. I believe only two playoff appearances in his career as an NBA coach. Uh, he might have had more than one with Phoenix. I think he's had a couple more than that. Okay, um, maybe three at the max. I have to look it up. But I know he had one in Phoenix, and, of course, he had one with the Pelicans. But when he came here, I sat down with him, and one of the questions I asked him was, you have been a career sub-500 coach. You haven't had many playoff, playoff victories, playoff opportunities. What makes – why should Pelicans fans believe that you can all of a sudden turn it around and make this team a winner? And his answer summarizing was, because I believe in myself, I believe in what I do, and I believe in my system. I think it's good for this basketball team, and I see a ton of hope here, blah, 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 blah. Alvin Gentry is giving you exactly – He's giving you exactly as a head coach what he's always given every team he's been a coach of. Yeah, you're and, right. It's, it's three playoff appearances. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So two in Phoenix and one with with Pelicans. Uh, one in Detroit. One oh, in Detroit. Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Thank God you'd swear hearing David Griffin talk that there were a lot more in Phoenix, but whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like he, he's a great salesperson and a great guy too. I love Alvin Gentry. He's a nice guy, but a great salesperson. And what he says he wants to do with a basketball team, you're thinking, oh, man, we've got the piece of that. He wanted them to be the, new, the next Golden State Warriors. We all knew they don't have Steph and Clay. Come on now. I mean, without those two, you don't have Golden State. And at that time, Kevin Durant. But the idea of having a team that played that exciting, kind of exciting basketball, oh, man, that sounds fantastic. Let's see if we can do it here. Got you excited about it. Got the team to the playoffs. You're thinking, okay, upward and onward from here. And the expectations we had – were farther, were way higher than what we should have had for Alvin Gentry coach teams based on his history. He is what he is. He's been in the game for a long, long time. He's not going to change his ways. And I don't think success is going to come behind him or, or along with him, whether he's here next year or with or the team he goes with. I just think we're getting from Alvin Gentry what we should have expected to get from Alvin Gentry. Not much success, a lot of frustration, and every now and then a little bit of success to keep you on the hook. And, you know, one, Chris, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking a minute ago is, you know, a lot of teams have good young talent. And it takes a really good head coach to get that best ability out of the young talent. Think about Sacramento. How many top five, top ten picks have they had up there and not gotten it right? I mean, they've been bad for so long and always, always seemingly in that rebuilding mode. They have to have the right pieces, the right coach up there. I sure miss Monty Williams. Yep. Monty Williams, to me, would have been the perfect coach for this basketball team. Players respect him. He lets them play. He also believes that defense is important, and he holds guys accountable. And I think Monty Williams is everything this franchise wishes they had and were boneheads. To get, I said it when they let go of him. It was the wrong move to do because Monty was so respected by his players. The players played for him. He got them to the playoffs. And Most could, of his players. Yeah, most of his players, minus, of the guy, players. But minus the guy that's no longer here anymore that got him fired, basically, which is ridiculous, Anthony Davis. So I, I feel like this Pelicans franchise is getting what they deserve right now because they made bad decisions in the front office by letting Monty go, and all of a sudden they've said, you know what, we believe in Alvin Gentry because 
He's done it before in the past, not very often. We think he can do it with this team. Now, the question is, does he end up staying in the franchise in the front office? I can see that happening because they, they respect him and they like him a lot. And, again, he's a nice guy. And he's a good basketball mind. I just don't think he's the right basketball coach for this team. Yeah, I mean, with all the positions that you can have within a franchise, whether it is um, <laughs> what is what is Matthew McConaughey at, at Texas, the minister of culture, something <laughs> like that, I think Alvin Gentry has like a fun player's culture, but I you want a different general on the sideline uh, yeah. leading your troops. And look, I think it's important that you get it right, and and I think we can save potential coaching candidates uh, for another podcast maybe after Alvin Gentry is actually fired, if he's fired. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think the Pelicans are at a critical juncture here where uh, Brandon Ingram's a restricted free agent, so you should bring him back in the building. You've got Drew Holiday, Zion Williams getting started, and ideally they take these next couple of months, however much time they have off, and like really hone in on him medically and make sure he can play like 70 games, please. Um, you have a problem with his weight. He looks – I mean, he looks – I don't want to – he moves well on the floor. And, I mean, I don't I don't think – I don't think if the Pelicans – as they put handcuffs on him, I don't think we'd, ha- we'd be having this conversation. When they had him running free back in March and February post-injury and allowed him to ramp up into games, like, there was no question. Um, yeah. He missed one game in that stretch, a tough game that, where they beat the Pacers. But um, – I mean, he looked he looked just fine. I I don't know that we're getting the whole story. I don't know that um, there isn't something to worry about in the future, maybe. But I don't have an issue with his weight right now. But point being, with the guys that they have the ability to bring back and the foundation they have in place with some young players that just need to be pushed in the right direction, the Pelicans can really set themselves up for the future. But they've got it. They've got to hit it with the head coach. Otherwise, um, guys will leave. Guys will walk. Guys will become unrestricted free agents and go elsewhere. And New Orleans will, once again, not be a basketball destination. They've acquired talent through the draft, um, through the trade, but uh, there there hasn't been a whole – there's not free agents really lining up to come to New Orleans because they haven't shown you that it's the right culture yet. And I think David Griffin's trying to fix that. But as long as Alvin Gentry's there and as long as your record is what it is – I think you're going to have a hard time convincing guys that you can come to New Orleans and stay healthy and succeed. Let me ask you something, because I saw a quote from B.I. the other day. He was asked about uh, his future here in New Orleans, signing a new contract, blah, blah, blah. And his answer was like, well, New Orleans is one of my top teams I'm going to be uh, considering. And then he says, I love New Orleans. I love the people. I have a problem with that answer because it's restricted, first off. But whether it's restricted or not, if this is where you want to be, I think your answer should be, this is where I want to be. Um, I hope I can come back here. Whether you mean it or not, when you're still on this team, this should not be one of my top choices as an answer. Am I reading too much into that? No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're reading too much. Um, I, I wonder what he's looking for in a team. Um, obviously, he likes New Orleans enough. Uh, and yeah, he's a restricted free agent. Now, David Griffin, one of the things, if you go back to, you know, before the Anthony Davis trade, when David Griffin came in, he said he was going to sit down with AD and talk things out. And, and clearly after the talk, it was still, I don't want to be here. I want to be traded. And David Griffin's not going to hold somebody against their will. And 
obviously Anthony Davis was that, that whole dark cloud needed to go. Um, but I wonder if like, if it really came down to Brandon Ingram, not wanting to be in new Orleans, would the Pelicans let him go? I think that, I, I don't think that's a good move and I, I can't see him doing that. But in terms of Ingram, I wonder what he's looking for um, based on his personality and based on, you know, what we've seen. I think he's very motivated and I think he, he absolutely has like Kevin Durant type talent and scoring ability. We've seen him really um, have some great games, but do you think he wants to be, have to be the alpha? I don't ever see him becoming like the alpha voice wise. Yeah. He can become the alpha scoring wise on any given night. But do you think, kind of like Anthony Davis, like Anthony Davis clearly wanted to go play with LeBron because LeBron is like your shield and the guy that, that still makes it all go and kind of um, the leader you can turn to that maybe you don't want to be. Like not everybody is yeah. a leader like LeBron, obviously. So does Brandon Ingram want to do that? Does he want to be somewhere where he's like option 1B or maybe 1A, but the 1B is there to support you and to, you know, be the leader? I don't know. But I, I think he's too good to let leave. And so um, a quote like that, like you said, can kind of rub some people the wrong way. Yeah. Because you're going to be here. Yeah, I, I kind of go Nine back to – He's going to be here. Yeah, I kind of go back to uh, Tom Benson when he was living. And he, um, he was talking about Randy Mueller. Randy Mueller went in an interview with the Falcons during, uh, while he was working with the Saints for the GM job. And then Benson – basically fired him, said, either you want to be with me or you don't. And I get it. If I own a team, I'm thinking, either you want to be here or you don't. You know, don't, sit, don't, don't tell me that you, have, that you want to make the, the Pelicans are now one of your top options. We should be your top priority. This should be where you want to stay. Now, whether you, whether you believe that or not, you need to say it. Because remember, people are, are living off the words that you say. Oh, he's one of the top four choices. He may want to go someplace else. I think what he wants is he wants to win. And I think he wants to be in a franchise that, that looks like they're going in a winning direction. Right now, I'm not sure what, what direction the Pelicans are going until they decide what they're going to do with Alvin Gentry. And one thing clouding that, Chris, is, you know, with the pandemic going on, not much revenue coming in, obviously. Um, the, uh, the salary cap, you don't know what's going to happen with that for next year. is probably definitely going to go down, I would think. How much money can he command on the open market? It's not going to be like it was this year. What can he command on the open market? And so that may end up keeping him here a little bit longer. Um, I want to go back to something on Zion for a second. Um, so he takes, he leaves the bubble for, I don't know how long, five, about a week. Yeah, give me the conspiracy theory. Give it to me. Well, he comes back in about a week and everything and goes into quarantine for four, four, four or five days and back on the court. Prior to all that, we saw all these great pictures of Zion looking like a beast, like you in the gym, you know? Just like, like he's cut, looks like in great physical shape. And prior to this whole thing stopping in March, he was, he was getting back into what we thought, okay, this guy's going to be a beast, couldn't be stopped, good physical condition. I think that he was hurt the most of any other player because of this stoppage when it comes to physical fitness. Because he was just finally come, turning the corner a little bit when he was on the court in March. And – March, April, May, June, July, no basketball, having to work out by himself. I think he was hurt the most by this whole pandemic and not being able to be around the team, not being able to go do um, basketball practice five on five. I understand why they went slow with him, but I also think this guy's a 20-year-old kid. He needs to be turned loose a little bit. He's going to be okay. Um, 
But I think that he, I think this eight game bubble told the Pelicans a few things about him and that he has to be at a certain playing weight to play. I think he's heavy. Uh, he runs like a heavy guy. He can't lift his legs down the court. Gets beat down the court by the big guy on the other team all the time. He has to get better at defense. He's playing Ole defense at Duke, and he has to play much defense. He's best playing on the court. And he has to develop a jump shot because teams are backing off of him. They're, they're dropping in the paint. They're giving him that 15-footer at the elbow, and he doesn't even look at it. He pump fakes like he's going to shoot it, but they know he's not going to shoot it. He's got to develop that because NBA players are too good defensively. They're going to keep dropping off of him and make him, and make him dribble the ball and <clears throat> bring it to the hole or make him shoot that jump shot, and he wants to dribble to the hole, and he doesn't possess the ball very well on the dribble. So I think this, this bubble, if it did anything for Lonzo, I mean for Zion, it showed that he has some major things in this game that needs to get better. I think the unfortunate part is that you had a rookie year with Zion, and he's a finalist for Rookie of the Year. I think the Rookie of the Year has got to be John Morant. But Yeah, of course. Um, you had this whole rookie season with Zion, and we learned that on a great night, on, on most nights, on 90% of nights, the dude can go for 20 points. I mean, he's averaging more than 20 points and about six, seven boards a game. Um, you learned what he's capable of, but I don't know that we learned any more about the major concerns that we had um, beginning his NBA career, which were how does his weight hold up? How does his body hold up under the weight? How much does he hold up for an 82-game season? Obviously, we weren't going to get the 82-game season come March and an NBA hiatus for a couple months. Um, but, you you know, while it's just so int- – it's such a mystery. You know, while – Drew Holiday said that break provided a chance to recharge and, you know, you were getting to the point where you might, the grind might be getting to you. Um, for Zion, who's missed 44 games um, before even coming back, this break hurt his momentum so much. Uh, but just why wasn't he better health-wise coming into the bubble to where he could be ramped up a little quicker yeah. or play a little bit more? Um, that's concerning. Um, and the fact that you did have him ramped up and playing more minutes, and I understand they're meaningless games going out at the end of the year, and you hold out Drew and B.I., um, B.I. because he's you know a restricted free agent and um, Drew because of maybe his age and value, but like, why not have Zion on the floor with these young guys? Why not have Zion on the floor with Lonzo a little bit more? Um, that's – that's a bit concerning and it's, it's very frustrating because I'm just not convinced right now that the rest of Zion's career, at least in New Orleans, under this medical staff, under David Griffin, under whoever is making the ultimate say in these things, I've, I'm not convinced that his career is going to be one in New Orleans that we see the full potential of because they're so worried about holding him back. And whatever that issue is, they have to address it now. Whatever it is, you got to fix it. Um, otherwise, it's like keeping a Lamborghini in the garage, man. It's like keeping your sports yeah. car all hooked up. Um, what good is it having elite talent if you can't get it on the floor? If that's the case, I'd rather have a guy like John Morant who yeah. has the durability and I can get out there and give me – I mean, he had a triple-double last or last game out um, who can give me outstanding numbers night in and night out. That is what you need. Durability is factored into greatness. LeBron's ability to play so many games – um, to not want to take nights off is factored into greatness. Um, durability has to be a legitimate thing that you consider when signing talent. And I just hope that 
they work it out with Zion more than anything because the potential's there, but if you can't get it on the floor, what good is it doing me? I am so tired over the last five to ten years of talking about the freaking training room staff, the medical staff with the Pelicans. This and is a new one. The Hornets. But no, I'm saying, but this is a consistent problem with this franchise, whether they were the Hornets or the Pelicans, that, that, that back office medical staff, and, and listen, if, we're, if I'm talking about this and we're talk, you're talking about this, you know that free agent, potential free agents of this franchise are talking about it as well. Oh, guys go there, they get hurt, they can't get back on the court again because they're medical staff. And I've heard national broadcasts talk about the Pelicans, the Hornets, medical staff. Um, there have been some issues with that. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how that's still a problem. But that's, I think that's what's partly contributed to them holding Zion back because of the optics. They're trying to shake the optics that they are – um, a team that gets players hurt. They don't want to be that. Um, you know, Anthony Davis's fragility did not hurt that. No. Uh, or did not help that. Not help, yeah. Um, but they still have that reputation. And I think – I don't know if it helps or hurts that you're holding Zion back so much. Like, they obviously want to show that we can keep a star player healthy. But yeah. by – like, he's frustrated. Like, Zion's frustrated not being able to play. Gentry's – clearly frustrated not having one of his best players on the court. Is that the answer? I don't think so. I think the answer is, is getting to the bottom of it and making sure that when, when the season starts next year, whenever the next season starts, that Zion Williamson is able to go. That is how you send the best message that this training staff knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, eventually we will get past, I'd like to think they will get past worrying about what players is, has such and such injury and when they're going to come back and can a medical staff get them there and they'll be putting a, a starting five on the court that you can believe in and they'll have a head coach that you can believe that his message and his game plan can 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 carry this team through 82 games and, and beyond into hopefully what's a good playoff run or just the playoffs in general because it seems like it's been so long since they've been in the playoffs or even had meaningful games in a, in a second season. I don't know when it's coming. I really don't. Uh, I think they've got to make some moves offseason. I, I think the number one position they got to address right now for me is point guard. They need a point guard that can possess the ball and not lose the ball. Lonzo Ball, I don't know what happened from the end of the uh, end of playing games played to the bubble. I don't know what happened to him. He lost his confidence somewhere. And then he lost – I feel like he lost – it, man. What's that? So the Monstars took it like Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just – I think he's a good second string point guard, but I don't think he's a guy that can get you over over the hump. And I know that when they brought him here, they said, oh, we'll have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA with him and Drew Holiday, and it has not ended up being that way. I think he's become more of a liability in his jump shot, which was, you know, he's shooting almost 38% from three, and it's gone. I mean, it just lost the confidence. So I think his team has some issues. I think it's a good basketball team. I just think they – need direction with the coaching. They, they need a couple more pieces to be that more offensive big guy that can also defend, which those are always out there to pick up, right? It's, it's the moral of the story with this team, um, and we've seen it for years. Tons of upside, right players. I mean, talent-wise, when you look at what they had with Anthony Davis and some of the guys around him, especially when healthy, they had enough to make the playoffs and did one year. Even trading Anthony Davis with what Brandon Ingram became, um, the upside of Lonzo, uh, Drew Holiday and Zion when playing like they had the ability to do better and they just haven't. Moral of the story, lots of upside. Haven't cashed in on that potential enough. And at some point, 
I don't know how a coach can only win like 43, 44% of games and you still justify keeping him. Um, but that's where the Pelicans are at right now. So this, this will be an interesting offseason, I think, personnel-wise, <clears throat> coaching-wise. I think it has to be. Otherwise, you'll continue to pay the price down the road and you'll continue to see this franchise fail to, as they like to say, take flight. Yeah, and, and all that all that excitement you had after they got Zion waves in the draft, people going crazy, exploding, ticket sales all happening, that's going to disappear. Because this, this city does not want to support a loser. They do not want to be involved with watching a loser. Either get it right or move on. Yeah, and it doesn't take long. You know, we've no. seen it after uh, the playoffs in 2015 and the playoffs in 2018. You have all these expectations, and they've laid the, they've come out flat a number of times. Um, Alvin Gentry was the coach both of those times. Yeah. And you see what we're saying? It's a pattern. It's not a coincidence. That's going to do it for us in the Overtime Podcast today. Before you guys go, a quick request and reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, rate and review it. Tell your friends to help us spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the final play app, the Tiger Huddle app, Juan's phone that's apparently blowing up right now. Blowing up! (laughs) For now, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you guys next time on Overtime. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.